Welcome to the Sports Performance Training Podcast with Stu and Aid. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. Uh, well, I hope you've come back anyway, or if you find us for the first time, uh, welcome. But in today's discussion, we're going to talk about can you get faster during COVID-19? Uh, the lack of facilities and what that actually means for you as an athlete. Um, should you be worried or is this another opportunity? Oh, welcome to episode five of Sports Performance Training with Stu and Aid. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about something that we kind of touched upon at the end of episode four, which is the lack of training facilities. So everyone's training on on the road and on, on grass fields. And basically, there's a bit of a question there about can you be effective? Okay, Will you be fast still coming out of COVID-19 lockdown and all the training on grass? And then, of course, we're going to touch on uh, with obviously our in-house therapist uh, a little bit on uh, <laughs> possible injuries that occur when you're obviously training on these on these different surfaces and how we can best strengthen ourselves up and, uh, and work around that, basically. So I'm going to kick this off, Aiden, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. Because basically what it is, right? So obviously we put down sessions and for whether you're in a team or you're a track athlete or anything like that, uh, a little bit different for team sports, I guess. But basically those um, of us who are quite pansies uh, and train on an athletics track all the time, a lot <laughs> of my athletes are actually struggling a little bit and just, you know, with the whole mental game of training on grass. Now, training on grass is obviously a bit of a, it's very, very different to training on, on an athletics track. Um, and there's obviously some athletes who don't have access to any kind of field because of where they live, just locally. Um, so they're training on concrete, on paths and things like that. Um, yeah. And even for some of the footballers that I coach, actually, and the rubber players, they're, you know, they still question about the fact of, you know, they play for reasonably good teams. So the grass that they normally would trade on is absolutely pristine. And then all of a sudden they're in the, the local park, which has been churned up and just not very well kept by the local groundsman. <laughs> and the ground is completely different, right? So yeah. basically what I want to discuss really is there are benefits of training on uneven surfaces, on soft surfaces. And I think people completely have got away from that and the whole thought about it. Um, so can you be faster after COVID-19? Yes. Simple Abs answer. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. Let's end it, end it right there. I think we're two minutes in. Good to go, everybody. <laughs> the answer is yes. Just suck it up and do it. But basically there's... um. You know, there's a few things going around uh, in, in normal training and, uh, and and stuff like that. I just kind of want to get around to it a little bit. So anyone who's familiar with, you know what, I won't call out the name, but we'll just go with it. Uh, people who kind of argue or really push forward functional training um, and they put you on a BOSU ball, things like that, or they'll put you on, they'll give you a, a water bag. So you've got loads of perpetations. You know, you know the ones I'm yep. talking about. The exercises then, or you'll have someone with a, a barbell and they'll have two uh, two weight plates hanging below it. And basically, <laughs> yeah. the, that whole purpose of training is is instability. Okay, So every time you're on these un unstable surfaces in, in the gym and you're paying your fortune for it, right? You're paying, you know, whatever it is, your $100, your 100 quid for these sessions. Yeah. And you're going, oh my God, this is brilliant. Unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, look at all this functionality that I'm getting. All these instability well guess what you can get that just by running on unsurf un uneven surface exactly so the, 
the world's gone crazy for permutations, right? Oh, you've got to do this, hold this in your hand, wobble it about. And what does it do? What does it actually do? Well, the truth of the matter is, everyone's heard of the word co-contraction, right? And pretension. So what that this instability does, it kind of makes you kind of overreact slightly. It teaches your body to go, hold on a second, I need to be stable. So I'm going to make sure that all my muscles are co-contracting at the same time so, each, so that your joint is perfectly just locked in position and doesn't have too much give. That's what the perpetrations are there for and all these kind of fancy uneven surfaces that you get in the gym. But that's in the gym, right? We pay absolute fortune for it as our part of our S and C. But the second we go yeah. and have to train on a slightly uneven bit of grass, we're all crying. But guess what? It's doing the exact yeah. same thing. It's doing the it's doing the exact same thing, right? And so people have kind of gone. I've kind of we've all got lost from that idea. If you fall back to people training in the fifties, sixties, seventies, and even eighties, you get people training on plowed fields i mean obviously i'm talking about some random people here actually no i'm not i'm talking about seb co and people like that yeah. who would do a session <laughs> world, record holders, uh, world, yeah. world record holder seb sebastian co okay lord co the the boss of world athletics as it is you know we <laughs> you know yeah at the moment he's some political figure that people love to hate or hate to love but the reality is he was a damn good athlete and he had you know some really good training and even people around that that era steve avette uh and people like that they would train on freshly plowed fields farmers fields why because guess what it makes you work harder and you're unstable right so let's just start i just wanted to go straight into there with that whole concept of modern gym sessions where you you throw around with these unstable surfaces and the reason because of that is they make they they cause you to co-contract and have a lot of pretension right so yeah that's one element of the fact, right? The stuff you do in the gym, guess what? Just do it on the grass. The second element is, and everyone's more familiar lately with the new Nike shoes that are out there, and everyone's mimicking them, the ones with the nice soft shoe, but they've got the, the, the carbon plate in there. And the reason for that is there's been loads of research over the years about the economy of running. And basically what those shoes do is they improve the economy of transfer. So I'm not going to talk about the shoes because that's not what I'm here for, right? But oh, slightly about the shoes. The foam that's in those <laughs> the, the foam that's in those shoes gives back a bucket load of energy, right? Which makes you more economical because you don't have to exert much energy. Or for the same equivalent amount of energy that you're putting out, you're getting more and more back, so therefore you can travel faster, easier. Yeah. Now, when you're running on on our nice fancy running tracks or a lovely perfect uh, field. Oh, actually, we'll just keep the running tracks for now. Your body becomes used to it. Your co-contractions, your pretension is all working at a certain level. And you are kind of almost at an equilibrium. Okay. The surface is a certain thick, uh, stiffness. You are a certain stiffness in general to that. And you have a certain running economy. When yeah. you run on something softer, like when you transition from a running track to a field or to uh, sand dunes for some people who do sand dunes and things like that the running economy costs more and I think there's, there's research out there that says it can be like 6% depending on what surface yeah. you're on so now for the equivalent let's say you're just going to sit with 100 meters okay you run 100 meters at so much given energy okay let's just say it costs you whatever I don't know I'm just going to go with the number 100 right now because you're running on grass it now costs you 110 106 to 110 of whatever yeah. we're going to talk about we can talk about kilojoules we can talk about whatever Right. But basically now you've got to exert more force. But how your body does that 
is due to the contraction element of your of your of your muscle fibers right and your yeah. tendons and your tendons normally on a on a on a on a hard surface your tendons will predominantly do a lot of the work the muscles will predominantly where possible be isometric in nature um and cause you to be a bit more elastic if you're an elastic type runner or as much as you possibly can when you yeah. go to a soft surface the tendons can't put in as much uh as much work because the, the ground is no longer giving that energy back to you so the muscles have to work a little bit different a bit more uh a bit more contraction whether that's isometric eccentric etc but what that does is that causes extra greater strain on the MTU. That's the muscle tendon unit where the cross bridges are actually being formed and what you really need to require. So they, they become better. They, they, they become more efficient at co-contracting, at being pre-tensioned and also motor unit recruitment. So there's more little fibers in your muscle that are actually activating, knowing that you're about to stand on something soft or slightly uneven because that's how your body reacts. It will react quite quickly. And there's research yeah. out there that said, you know, absolutely tons of it now. And guys, to there can be up to two percent improvement after you've trained on something on something soft. And that's massive. Yeah. I mean, you know, so at the moment everyone's complaining about running on grass and and all this kind of stuff. Well, actually, you're just mimicking something that you would probably do in the in a gym with a fancy uh, PT or a fancy cross, you know, strength and conditioning coach. Uh-huh. Or, and you're actually strengthening your muscles a little bit better than you would be just normally running on a track. Mm. And you know what? That's really quite interesting, Stu, because what I found is when people are doing it in the gym, most of the time, personal trainers miss out one key ingredient with these perturbations. Now, it's all great in doing it on a on a gym floor that is even and hard. All the perturbations is, the difference is the perturbations are up top. They're you're having to control the weight or the perturbations with your upper body and your legs, but your feet are landing still on that flat ground. Yep. Yeah. But when you go out onto grass, your feet are having to deal with it. Your legs are having to deal with it. The core's having to do it and your arms have to deal with it. It's a lot more full body because it's from when the moment your foot contacts the ground that the yeah. perturbations happen. And- and that is key, isn't it? Realistically, when we talk mm. about all these SNC, I mean, we talk about you can sit on a bolster ball, and, and you know that's probably one of the things that's a little bit different, or, or on those uh, one of those pads. But most of the gym sessions we see on Instagram and things like that, all these fancy coaches, they're permutations from the top down. Yeah. Whereas running on an uneven surface is actually is top up, and as we've discussed feet, you know, before with our, with our podcast on feet, getting your ankles to be actually really active. And get into a strong, stable position as soon as possible, along with then the kinetic chain as we further go up through the knees and the hips and so on, is crucial for your that transfer of energy realistically and more more efficiently to be to be faster. No matter what distance you're running at, the ability for your foot to work better and for you to handle the force, which is what again the the permutations are going to be, so it's a change in force dynamics as it goes through your body. The better you are at absorbing them and transferring them the faster you're going to be, no matter what distance it is, no matter what distance it is. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a paper, let me just, you know what, I've got it open on my laptop somewhere, bear with me. Okay, it's a paper in 2004 in the European Journal of Applied Physiology, and you're going to have to excuse me if I can't pronounce it all correctly, but it was the, uh, it was the impact of sensorimotory training on the rate of force development and neural activation. Ooh, and basically, okay. I know, yeah, yeah. It's a, you know what, I found this paper years and years ago, 
And when we first, when you mentioned it in the last podcast about, oh, let's talk about grass, I remember thinking something about that. I went through my, went through my Google Drive and I found it. I saved it absolutely years ago. The and Google Drive got almost what is it, a hundred gigabyte of papers on there. Yeah, the pro- <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll go back. The problem is I actually have to pay for my Google Drive because it's just and this is only my athletics Google Drive. So I have four separate Google Drives for different things. But this is my athletics one. And this is if you imagine how much memory a PDF takes, <laughs> it's not a lot, right? Uh <laughs> this entire drive is taken with PDFs. Uh as I said then uh, before, I just love it. I don't care if I find it, I don't it doesn't even have to be remotely relevant or sorry, directly relevant. If I think at some point in the future I'll want to refer back to it or look at it or anything like that, I just download it, save it, keep it, and just go through it. At some point, I might open the drive up freely for everyone, um, but for now, it's just like my own little uh, repository. Uh, but however, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> what I will do actually, I will. I'm going to add this this paper and some of the other ones that are relevant to this discussion actually into the show notes that are on the sports performance training website. Uh, yeah. So then, if anyone wants to have a look at that, they can see what we're actually talking about. But basically. That review uh, did a, a, an acute review, basically, of, of, over four weeks' time. And basically, all it did was put, them, put the athletes to stand on an unstable surface, yeah? Okay. On, on, the, on, on the balls of the foot. So, like, two, you know, nothing, nothing massively difficult to do. Uh, twice a week before their sessions. And what they found at the end of the four weeks, that the athletes who actually did the instability training, just from that perspective, not not on a massive wobble board, we're not trying to do any permutation stuff. This was just literally a little bit unstable surface where the feet had to kind of react with the change and shift of balance. That their rate of force development improved. Wow. After four weeks. Yeah. Now, if you can imagine that, uh, so that's obviously... Actually, that's not that acute. That's quite that's quite chronic. But if you would continue that going for longer, which of course we're all now in COVID nineteen for this point of call seven to eight weeks, and we're probably going to be in it for another four to six weeks or whatever it is, that's a good amount of time that you can get where you're actually training your body from the ground up in permutations, right? So yeah, just from that one perspective, you could actually be improving. You're improving your 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 core contractions, your pretension, which in turn is improving your rate of force development all of these factors are crucial in speed okay so Stu, what you're saying in in a really basic summary here for the listeners because we've gone from a track that our body is used to we're used to co-contracting at a certain speed and re and our tendons and muscles are used to reacting to a certain tension of surface by uh, going on to sorry no, 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 yeah. I get where you're going there. So well, I'll, I'll just jump in. Because, yeah, basically, what's the transfer, right? Now, what people need to understand slightly is that the... And I guess a lot of athletes will have it. When they first started training on grass, it feels awful. It just feels awful, right? And that's the same thing yeah. as when we go, when you go from... And this is the issue you have with athletics people, track and field, is that when, if they get to train on a Mondo track and then they mm. go run on a Tartan track, right? Oh, yeah. Well, tartan... we do that, don't we? We've yeah. got a Mondo X, haven't we? We've got a Mondo X track uh, at Coventry in the Midlands. So anyone who actually wants to train on a Mondo track, a Mondo X track, by all means, come and join us. Uh, just sell ourselves there, but that's not what we're after. Um, <laughs> but when we go and run on a normal old school, old school, inverted commas, tartan track, it feels squishy. It feels soft. Yeah, our body's not used to it. And your body needs to find the equilibrium, right? So it takes time to to 
for it to transfer. So basically what I mean by equilibrium is if the surface is hard, your body will be soft, right? Because your body realizes that it doesn't want to get hurt, right? It's the same thing. If you were to, if you were to jump off a, you know, off a shed, a, a garage onto the floor and it's concrete, you will land a lot softer than what you would do if you were jumping from that same height, that same building onto, onto grass. Because in your head, you know that the grass is softer, okay? You, you don't need to absorb the force as much. And if you're going to jump into a swimming pool, heck, you probably won't even do anything. You just literally jump straight into it. Your body knows what surface you're, you are on and will kind of give you an adequate amount of tension to kind of to fight against that, that, that force. And that, that, that's important. So, so it's the, a bit, bit like if you think of a parkour runner who jumps off a high building, when they land, to dissipate that force, they collapse through the ankles, they collapse through the knees, through the hips, and they roll to disperse that force. Absolutely. But when they land on something soft, when they're practicing, like a, a high jump mat, they don't need to worry about it. Their body just lands straight. They don't try and absorb it with their knees, yeah. their hips, and their ankles. Exactly. It's effectively the same kind of thing, realistically. Obviously, we're talking about minute changes. We're not talking about wholesale changes, but they are very, very minute. And if we're talking about physically, 1% change is, is huge when it comes to economy. You know, we're talking yeah. about these these 4% shoes, for instance. Well, let's think about that from a sprint perspective. 1% can be a tenth of a second, a tenth and a half of a second over 100 meters. That's massive, right? You'd, you'd, you'd take that, wouldn't you? You'd take it. Oh, yeah, straight away. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it can be, you know, half second to a second over 400, for instance. That's it's massive. So the ability of the, the the body to kind of get used to that is what you're looking for. So that's where training on a hard track can actually be detrimental because when you go to a different track that's a little bit softer, your body hasn't had time to adapt. So the body's trying to be really, really stiff or or sorry, is trying to be a little bit softer because it's used to this hard surface. It then goes to a softer, and now you've got soft on soft. You've got you've got less elasticity. Yeah. And that's where your your body then has to become more muscular in in, in its movement, so that you know you have to have a bit more contractibility of the fibers. And that, of course, when you contract a muscle, it costs more energy, and mm. therefore you can try you can do the exact same race. You can probably run the exact same time, but at the end of it, you'll have the exact same different response into how tired you feel. And that that's what yeah. it is. So when you train more on a soft track or a soft facility, if you then momentarily change to a hard facility or hard track or whatever. Your body is now already adapted to the soft ground, means it's it's more st it's stiffer. It's got all these extra core contractions, extra pretension, mm -hmm. and now you just spring down the track. You just spring down the surface. So the you know at this point in in the year, that's not a bad thing, but obviously there can be injuries that cause that because now you're putting out 100%. You know I'm not going to say 110 because that's just stupid, but you know what I mean. Now your body's going, oh, I can be as stiff as I want to be. Goes to a stiff track. And all of a sudden, it's now stiff on stiff. So there are some, you know, there's an element of you win some, you lose some. There's, there are pros and there are cons to that, and you've got to manage that. And that's my job as a coach, yeah. that when people come back, I have to make sure they transition slightly better onto the harder surface so that they don't pick up any any of those kind of niggles. And that's where, you know, therapy comes into it and being able to watch things. But basically, in short, training on a softer surface increases your ability to uh, create permutations and co-contractions uh, and those that pretension, which does make you faster because of the actual activation of the muscle tendon unit in order to make it stronger. Uh, yeah. And not only that, but by training on a soft surface, your body's getting used to having an extra cost to that energy, to that to that same distance, that same effort. And again, when you go back to your normal facility, your normal track, guess what? 
it's now going to cost you less energy to do that exact same thing, which is perfect, right? Yeah. That's, you know, the train adaptations at this time are perfect. And actually, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep rambling on um, <laughs> while, while I'm on You're it. And while, I know, yeah, yeah. While I'm thinking about it, actually, I remember, actually, and this is, what, this is one of the things that I do remember back in, when was it? Hold on, uh, 2008, 2009, Usain Bolt. Okay. You've literally just taken the word out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Usain Bolt burst onto the scene, right? And he's there. Boom. World record holder. Yeah. Whatever the time was. Nine six nine originally, then nine five eight. All right. Mm. Let's be honest right now. And we, not even even before that, actually, Asafa Powell, you know, with his nine seven seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these guys, and if you watch their training videos, what are they training on? Grass. Grass. Right? Is that the best kept grass in the world? Absolutely <laughs> no, not. Not really. <laughs> you know, absolutely not. And then again, if we if we and it, uh, if we want to go with distance runners, because let's be honest, there's distance runners as well. If we go to Kenya, what what do they train on predominantly? It's you know? uh, well grass and compacted mud, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, dusty, dusty surfaces. You know. Yeah. So these again are surfaces that cost you more energy, cause these extra benefits, and they're. I think everyone would say that Kenyans are some of the, uh, the best middle distance runners and distance runners in the world. You're saying Bolt, Safa Powell have been the greatest sprinters of, a, of, you know, of our generation and, well, of, of history. Um, and these people trained on less than perfect surfaces. And, and, and they've had, they've had benefits of that. Uh, the videos of Wade Van Niekerk that have came out recently of training, like all the Australians used to, train Van, on... Van Niekerk is an Australian. <laughs> no, not, not Australian, but South African, but even yeah, yeah. the Australians. And I've forgotten the Australian 200 meter world rec uh, record holder, the Australian record holder. Um, oh, the white man. And I can't Matt remember Matt his Shervington. name. Matt Shervington. Yeah, he's still got the 200 record and he trained predominantly on grass and only raced on tracks. We've got Wade Van Niekerk putting up videos of him training on the most the most beautiful grass I've ever seen someone train on. <laughs> well, that's the thing you see. This is this is the a bit of a problem. So yes, he's trained on grass, so there is going to be a transfer. But again, the Australians and the South Africans have some of the best grass I've ever seen. I remember in uh, I went to Perth in 2016 for the World Masters Athletics Championships, and the warm up track was actually the, uh, a field round the back. And I must admit, right. when someone said that, oh, uh, in my head I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to have to warm up on a field. This is ridiculous. And then went round through the bushes. And I was like, oh, my God, can we not just race on this grass? It was absolutely beautiful. The It was so manicured. I mean, you know, if I could marry a, a field of grass, that's it. We, we'd be married by now. Um, <laughs> it was honestly, it was the best. It was a different type of grass, obviously, in the UK, Northern Hemisphere, I think. I'm not sure if there's a difference between the hemispheres and how they just, but it was honestly perfect. So there is a benefit for that. And if we look back, actually, I'm trying to think of the runner now. Darren Clark, that's it. Darren, Darren Clark is an Australian 400 meter runner coached by uh, Mike Hurst. Um, I can't remember the years now, but basically that guy ran a 44 point on grass. Wow. You know, and that, that's, that's absolutely crazy, right? And yeah, and if we look, as you said then, Van Niekerk. Van Niekerk is predominantly trained on, on grass. Yeah. And, you know, he... He's the world record holder for 400. Now, what I will say, and a bit of a caveat, I think there's a bit of a, a nice thing to say there, actually, is I personally, I would say South African athletics is probably late blooming. So there's no real athletics tracks in South Africa. There are, there are tracks, let's not dispute that, but there's not as many, okay? Um, mm. So is, and if we go back to Austra uh, Australia, back to Jamaica, 
you know, back in the late 2000s when, or mid 2000s when Asafa Powell, Usain Bolt, again, all trained on grass, less track facilities. Since then, better tracks have been laid down, right? Well, where, yeah. where, are, the, where, where are those runners now? <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, exactly. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that's the thing, but it's an element, right? There's got to be a factor there that the fact of you know oh, their their whole their whole kind of industry has been done at, yeah. at training schools on on fields and and you know and they've produced some absolutely outstanding athletes. But then as soon as you know, and at that point they think, oh, now we need the facilities. Well, you put the facilities in, and all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but they're not exactly outstanding. There's no what there's no there's no current jamaican at yeah. the moment that you'd say it's going to break the world record uh especially in the men women slightly different well, i guess it depends on what they're training um usain bolt when he when he broke the world record and got all his money he then built that track um what was the company the uh rugapol regapol the track surface that he ran on it was like this revolutionary new form of tartan it wasn't mondo that he ran on but he got that exact same track built at his track in Jamaica, started running on it. And for me, 2010, 2011, when he wasn't running as well, I, I saw a difference in the size of him. His arms looked bigger, his shoulders looked bigger, his legs looked bigger, like muscular. It looked like his muscles were now having to work a lot more instead of his tendons and his fascia, which yeah. is clearly his key. Yeah. You know, and we didn't see him go what then it wasn't until he came back to london and went 963 that was his next fastest wasn't it after his 958 i think so i can't remember now you know i can't uh, since 958 i've not really cared (laughs) (laughs) i mean come on now it's not it's just average isn't it um uh yeah so i mean basically now so i kind of covered my bits realistically all i wanted to say is that i'll put the papers into the the show notes but effectively yes you know trade on grass and the uneven grass does have benefits and don't shy away from it but then of course there is an element of possible injury uh you know if if you know there's going to be some tendons and ligaments that are going to get slightly strained more than others and and even musculature are trained on grass so do you want to just touch upon that slightly well yeah so when when we said we'd do this and i thought about injuries that could possibly happen the easiest thing i did i went to rugby i went to football and what are the most common injuries that we see because of the surface they're running on? And really simply, it's an inversion ankle sprain, which is really obvious, really, isn't it? Um, you know, is it? On- What's an inversion ankle sprain? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, inversion ankle sprain, most people know it as rolling their ankle over. So the foot, the palm of your foot or the sole of your foot turns inwards and you roll over the outside of your ankle. Okay, that, that's in basic terms. Okay, and what you're doing is the lateral ligament, so the outside of your ankle. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, when I read the research, it's out of the ankle sprains, an inversion and then an, an eversion. So we're talking about inversion. Sorry, not eversion. Eighty-five uh, percent of ankle sprains are inversion ankle sprains, rolling on the outside of your ankle. And of course, if the surface is uneven and you're not quite prepared for that contact, that's mm-hmm. where that's going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, and those those ligaments in that area. Now, what you got to remember is ligaments have a high, high neural um, innovation and and a very low 
um, blood supply. They're, they're not very... They're, why would you want something that's stiff, that takes a lot of strain? You don't want blood in there because then you're just going to constantly get inflammation every time it does something and you're going to be in a lot of pain. So what it has is nerves. So as that ligament takes its stress, it tells what muscles to protect that joint. That's a simple thing. The problem is when you start running, especially sprinting on a grass surface. So imagine you're doing a max speed run on grass. The time it takes from your foot to hit the ground, right, and then be on an unstable surface and roll over the ankle, and for that ligament to tell the muscle what's happening, right, the ligament will send that signal and it takes it 0.07 seconds to get to the brain. The brain then can send a signal which takes 0.01 of a second to tell which muscle to contract. Problem is, you're going at max V. You've got 10 times your body weight going through that foot. Now, from uh, there's been a really good biomechanical study where they've actually recorded how fast it takes for that ankle, that ligament to, to sprain or tear. Um, it takes 0.002 of a second. So your body doesn't have time to react to that injury. All it does is what happens most of the time, the ligament just goes completely lax and allows it to stretch to its end point. And this is why it happens. Basically, you have no control over it. Yeah. Um, and that that's what's so dangerous about running on grass that is uneven that, you know, rugby players, footballers have been running around on with their big studs, tearing it up. Yeah. And it, during winter and then the sun has dried out, made it hard and you're going to hit these small areas. Now, what they have done with this study was what they did was they um, they had a group that used balance discs. I don't know if you under, uh, you, you know what they look like, Stu, but yep, it's yep. basically... I, I have to. Oh, OK, cool. So uh, for the listeners, it's kind of like a half a tennis ball cut in half and then you've put a dinner plate on top of it. <laughs> that's the best way i can describe it pretty much um and, and what they did was instead of instead of getting you to stand on one foot stew they put you in a split stance but not quite so far as a lunge okay and what they did was they get you to push on to so say my left foot's forward my right foot's back both feet are on a, a balanced disc each they get you to push down your little toe on your left foot the front foot and then push down on your right big toe yeah, so both are leaning to the left. So yeah. both feet are tilting. Um, and then from there, they get you to try and go from that position to the complete opposite position. So your right foot's going from your big toe to your little toe, and your front foot is going from your little toe to your big toe as fast as possible and stop without falling off. Okay. Now, these guys did this 50 times, right? Repeat, back and forth. Okay, they did it 50 times before so before running on the grass. Now, what they had was pre-testers. So I think there was 127 people. Don't need to know how many, but basically they <laughs> yeah. split it in half. They did a timed run over 50 meters on a football pitch. Okay. They then had half of them do this balance stuff with the disc. Uh, and with the other half, they just had them standing on one leg on the grass. Nothing special, just standing standing up on one leg a minute each leg they then got them to run again now there was improvements in both parties 
the uh, the party that did the standing on le- on their leg, they noticed uh, they called it a non-significant difference because the average was a difference in time that was about 0.01 of a second. So we're talking hundredths here. Yeah. Okay. So you're still seeing a bit of a difference. Now, when they went to the discs, they saw a, comp- a difference between 0.5, no, 0.05, so half a, a, a hundred, five hundredths and a tenth. That was the difference. 0.1. If you can get a tenth difference just from running on grass by doing disc stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now, what would be really interesting, uh, and I'm just taking that anecdotal stuff, what we know about perturbations on running on grass and that convergence onto track. Imagine just doing that disc work and running on track. Well, that's the thing you see. This is the, the more I look into things, I'm like, it's one of those extra tools in the toolbox, isn't it? You know, we've got, we're going to do another discussion at some point on uh, OPE, which is uh, occlusion-induced potentiation, which is another conversation, but that's another day. But again, yeah, the things that you can possibly bring into the training environment that can actually help in, improve performance and something like that, I've actually considered it myself. I did do a brief uh, kind of experiment, self-experiment on myself, actually, a few years ago when I was doing, like the, when I first got this paper, actually. Um and I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I can see where, where that works. And again, they say, yeah, you know, a tenth, a tenth, one tenth of a second over 50 meters, uh, one tenth of a second over 100, two tenths, you know, it's massive. It's huge. And again, we're talking about the, the improvement of your, your stabilization, basically, and that, that, how that transfers over. It, it's massive. It's massive. Now, we're looking at this research. Now, bearing in mind, this research isn't done on elite athletes because no elite athlete or elite footballer will wants to risk it yeah you know what if i get injured like i said how easy it is to roll that ankle um but we are talking about average footballers now an average footballer is going to run around a a 12 second 100 on a track let's get you know no let's be honest let's be honest absolutely that's that's absolutely true We, we know that for a fact yeah some of the talented ones who tend to be wingers okay we'll give them 11 5 and that's pushing it that's pushing it at elite level. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, talk, we'll talk about footballs in, in another day because I know we've got we've had a few footballers, especially in the squad, who have actually you know who are faster than anything. But we'll we'll, we'll discuss that again another day. But yeah. yeah. So you know we we have to say yes. Okay, this research does show this. You know, but you know we know the faster you become, the more elite you become. The the percentage of effects becomes smaller. Absolutely, but absolutely. That does mean that it, it doesn't do something. And if you're looking for that, that like 0.1% difference, <laughs> that's the yeah. difference between winning and losing at that level. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the reality is that most of the coaches at this same that and even ourselves or whatever, they're going to be in that developmental stage. They're not, they're not super elite, mm-hmm. but they're, they're on their ways that way. And if you can find other tools to help work on their athletes that can help improve them in that, in that sense, then then you know what you go for it because that is what it's all about isn't it a lot of the stuff i, I keep reading it's always about you know oh or people try to discuss about top elite level it's like well that's that's nice yeah and the elite needs to get you know if you get one percent or not half a percent half a naught percent on on uh, on an elite athlete that's it boom you know they're now getting gold medals and they're making a bloody fortune mm. but a lot of the athletes a lot of coaches that we're going to be working with they're they're not they're developing you know like my my academy players i work with uh, even some of the reserves players that i've got they're not elite level they're not they're not 
your, your fastest mm. sprints in the world. So these these you get someone like that to improve one percent, all of a sudden they look like they're they're now massively competitive because that's a huge that's a bigger jump, you know. And yeah. now they're they're shining in their academies, they're shining in their reserve teams, going to possibly get a first team uh, call up. That's a, that's a huge difference, right? You've now just affected someone. You've now just helped someone reach a better potential of their of their career, and that's what that's what coaching is about. It's not, you know, we can always yeah. go, yeah, 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 but no, no, that person has now got further because of something you've helped them with, and that's what exactly. these were about. That's what these were about. So, uh, the number side got, note for that research, Stu, on a therapy basis, this is which was off that one paper, what they did find when they did a 12-month review with those athletes. Um, so they asked them um, about ankle sprains. So uh, before the study, uh, just to see if they have had any. And it was, uh, I can't remember the number, it was like 60% of the athletes taking part had had previous ankle sprains uh, the season before. Um, the season after, that number went down to 20%. So they're, re- they're doing a study at the moment on the balance boards and running versus running on grass to see if there's a reduction in the biomechanics of ankle sprains. Now, just imagine if you give that, so if you do a little bit of training on grass and then you're a track athlete, well, that reduces your chance of getting an injury, which means you can focus more on speed. The more time you can spend actually training, working on the things you need to work on is, is crucial no matter what sport you're actually doing. Yeah, exactly. And let's say the most injuries are down to a, a pretension or a cold contraction element because there's something going on yeah. in, that, in, in the firing pattern. So the better yeah. you, 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 you become at that firing pattern, the more injury yeah. robust you're going to be. You're never going to be 100% injury free because that's, just, that's, that's, that's never going to happen, people. But yeah. you can actually become a lot more injury re- resilient. And- uh, and we know that British Athletics have done a lot of studying on injuries in athletics. And 80% of any injury across the board happens in the third, the final third of a training session because you're more tired and you're not as um, good at co-contracting because you're more fatigued. Yeah, you've so lost that ability. Yeah. If you can make that ability more efficient and more stable and more reactive, you're, you're reducing that that final third percentage of that training session absolutely absolutely and that that i think that's exactly where we're going to leave that actually Aiden. so basically what we're saying is random surfaces soft surfaces uh uneven surfaces not only can help you make you faster but can actually help you become more injury resilient and that is crucial no matter what so people people out there not trained on an athletics track do not stress do not stress. No. Um, you know, we know we race on tracks. You need to be used to running tracks, but at this precise moment in time, just use it. Help it to develop yourself. You know, it's not exactly yeah. the competitive exercise, but guess what? It's going to be prepping you and developing you in ways that you need it to be. So, uh, we're going to leave that there. Approaching forty minutes of this episode, um, and nice. uh, so thanks for your time, Aiden. No, thank you, Stu, and I hope that helps all our listeners. Absolutely. Right. I'll speak to you next time. Yes. See you next time, Stu. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sports Performance Training Podcast. If you like it, please give us a subscribe and share amongst your friends or anything like that. And of course, give us a positive review. Uh, We really appreciate that. And we will see you next time for another edition of the Sports Performance Training Podcast.